Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to Encounter. Can we just give the Lord a hand on this Christmas Eve 2022? It is great to be with you this afternoon, and if I haven't met you before, my name is John, and we are so thankful that God has brought each and every one of you to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ today. One of the things that I love about Christmas time are Christmas reminders, and I got some fairly crazy Christmas reminders recently. They were a little different than normal. We have just lived in Ventura for the last three and a half months, and we hadn't sold our house up north, and it just recently sold. And so uh, about three weeks ago, I drove up to meet the movers at the house to put everything in the moving truck because most of our stuff was still in our house. And the movers were moving some furniture, and they moved this one thing in our family room. And underneath it, I found this big, white, petrified marshmallow. <laughs> you know, the big ones. The big fluffy ones, the jet puffed ones, the ones that you use when you go camping and you're making s'mores. And I smiled because it brought back a memory. And then they were moving something in the kitchen and they moved this big credenza thing. And underneath that, there was another one, this white, not fluffy anymore, but white, petrified marshmallow. And it instantly reminded me of this great Christmas memory, how about four years before, in that same house, we had had a Christmas party for my then-teenage daughters, and they had invited a bunch of friends. It was an ugly sweater party. We invited some adult friends, and my wife, Amy, had planned these minute-to-win-it games, and she had this one game that involved marshmallows. And so she had all these marshmallows, but for whatever reason, reason we didn't get to that game and after a little bit of time passed all the adults were hanging out in the kitchen and all of a sudden I, I see this bowl of lonely looking marshmallows and I don't know what came over me but I picked one up and took it in my fist and I threw it with all my might at one of my friends standing in the kitchen and they looked back at me with shock like are you really did you really just do that you know like game on right then and so they picked one up and threw it back at me and before you knew it all the adults in the house were having a marshmallow fight and then we turned to the family room nearby where all the teenagers were and we started throwing marshmallows at them and they looked at shock at us like is that allowed in the field house and before you know it there was a massive snowball marshmallow fight literally with hundreds of marshmallows flying everywhere around our house and it was really fun until my wife and I realized like people are stepping on them in the carpet and things like that and, and then this is where it gets even crazier but that wasn't the end of the reminding of that because just this last Thursday night in the mail came a package it was fairly big and there it was I opened it up hundreds of marshmallows for my friend who we had thrown the marshmallow at to remind us of that now tonight what I'm going to share with you are three powerful reminders from the events of the birth of Jesus Christ that you find in Luke chapter 2. These are reminders that God wants us to remember not some four years after the events but some 2,000 years later. And they're reminders that aren't just about this great gathering but things that can actually change our life forever. And to help us discover those reminders, we're going to go to the greatest place possible to do that, and that's God's Word. And so I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word and actually give a huge welcome to Gwen, one of our middle school students, who's going to read part of Luke chapter 2 for us today. Would you give her a huge hand as she comes on up here?
And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told them. Luke 2, 4 through 20. Amen. Thank you, Glenn. Please be seated. We're so thankful for our Encounter Youth, our Praise Kids, and our children's ministry, and all that God's doing through the many ministries of youth and students in our church One of the central themes of all of the events of the birth of Jesus Christ is that when he was born, there was no room for him. Not only no room in the inn, but really no room in the world for him. The world's heart and mind was closed off to him as a savior. And every year, Christmas rolls around for us to remind us to once again open up our hearts and our lives to God, to give God that number one spot where we can thrive with Him and thrive in life. Because so many times in life, just so many things happen, and God can sometimes be pushed out of that number one spot. And remember how Joseph and pregnant Mary, they end up out behind that inn in Bethlehem in that stable, We call it a stable, it was probably more of an enclosure, probably almost more like a a half cave built into the hillside, and it's there that the Savior of the world is born, right there. And when Jesus was born, the Bible tells us that they put him into a feeding trough. And when I think of a feeding trough, I think of Mary probably taking some of the grain and brushing it aside and some of the dust as she laid the recently wrapped Christ child there into the feeding trough. And that's how the Messiah came into the world, born in a forgotten village, laid in a feeding trough, unnoticed by a sleeping world. You really wouldn't think Anything of significance could come from that. But that's how God chooses to begin the greatest rescue mission ever accomplished on this world. A world that had been ravaged by sin and separated from him. He picked the most unlikely girl to be the mother. He picked a forgotten village in the Roman Empire. He picked the most unlikely place to have his son born. And basically in the hillside outside of Bethlehem. 
uh, in this feeding trough. Jesus came in humility. I mean, think about it. There was no electricity for lights out there. Uh, There was no forced air heat going on. Uh, There was no midwife, no epidural, no Huggies diapers. The Son of God came in humility to our level to show his great love for us and to tell us about the thrill of the hope of knowing him. And then he went all the way to the cross and into the grave to show how far he would go to open up our hearts to how much he loves us. Christmas also reminds us that God invites us into a life set apart. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping their watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Throughout history, God has used angels to communicate big news announcements and to give us hope. Amen? I I somewhat think of it, you know, like God has this special department in heaven of these angels. We could call them the DAA, the Department of Angelic Announcements, all right? They're, They're really God's special ops angels that go out on all these crazy announcement missions, and they have made some pretty important announcements to some pretty important people, including prophets and priests and kings. They've announced victory and defeat. They've announced death and life. They've announced judgment and mercy. But the most important announcement in the history of humankind was when the angels were commissioned to announce the birth of God's Son. And would you imagine with me a moment for what was happening in heaven as these angels are brainstorming about how this should all be done, how this announcement should take place, because you would think the most important announcement should be made at the most important place, at the most important time, to the most important people. And so I'm sure the angels are brainstorming and thinking, well, we should probably make the announcement at the temple in Jerusalem, because that's pretty important. And then we should probably make the announcement during one of the Jewish feasts or festivals when there are thousands of people from all over Israel and around the known world coming into Jerusalem at at that moment because that's an important time. And we should probably give the news first to some of the priests because, you know, they're kind of important in religious events. And so they were probably pretty happy about their plans until God walked in the room and made a few adjustments because instead of the temple in Jerusalem... He chooses this hillside outside Bethlehem. And instead of one of the annual feasts, he chooses the night shift. And instead of priests, the religious folks, he chooses shepherds of all people. And so the angels probably crumpled up all their plans and put it in the recycling bin because everyone knows that all angels recycle, all right? And in verse 10, we read, And the angels said to them, the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. God could have announced the birth of his son through those angels to anyone. And he chooses these angels. I mean, these shepherds. These lowly shepherds. Why? 
Author Max Lucado once wrote this. He had an idea. Had the angels gone to the theologians, they would have first consulted their commentaries. Yeah, probably. Had he gone to the elite, they would have looked around to see if anyone was watching. Had he gone to the successful, they would have first looked at their calendars. So he went to shepherds, men who didn't have a reputation to protect or an axe to grind or a ladder to climb, men who didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep and that messiahs aren't found wrapped in rags and sleeping in a feed trough. In Luke's gospel, we are told that when Jesus is born outside of Bethlehem, there are these shepherds watching their sheep that night. And by the way, back then, shepherds were not the most popular group of people in that culture and time. They were considered social misfits, thieves, religious outcasts. They weren't even allowed in church. If this were then, they wouldn't have been allowed inside the building. People didn't even think they had a religious bone in their body. And maybe that's how you feel tonight. Maybe you walked in here this afternoon thinking, I'm not really a religious person. I'm just coming because one of my family or friends invited me. Maybe you wondered whether lightning would strike you when you walked in the room. And yet, this unpopular group of people was the first group to whom God sets apart (coughs) to hear the announcement of the birth of his son because God loves to set apart the most unlikely candidates to be used for great purposes in his name, all by his grace. Verse 15 says this, And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph, the baby, lying in a manger. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The lowly shepherds become the first set apart by God to tell everyone what he is up to in sending his son. God makes his announcement to the lowly shepherds, to the riffraff of the culture, to make sure that we all know that he is an expert, he is a professional at moving sinners and the broken into this place of having great purpose in his name, letting us know that we are precious in his sight. He's an expert at raising the lowly, so much so that he sent his son to be born in the lowest place possible, a stable. And then he sent him to the cross to die for our lowest moments in life, only to raise him from the dead so that now we could be invited into new life with him. And I hope that today on Christmas Eve 2022, you know how much God loves you. If God only brought you here for one purpose today, may it be for you to know he loves you and you are precious in his sight. And he wants to set you apart for great purpose in his name, all for his glory and by his grace. Which is why what the angel said back then in verse 11 was so personal. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There's so much beautiful truth in that little verse. And the reason it's beautiful truth is because it's personal truth. It says, for you, for unto you is born 
This day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That one little verse means that God will love you forever and forgive you of everything. And all you need to do is receive the gift that he offers you of himself. And it's this wild combination when someone gives their life to Christ as Savior where you have this mixture of grief where you ask the Lord for forgiveness but it's overpowered by joy as he makes you new and comes into your life. And I know sometimes when we talk about asking for forgiveness of sin to God, sometimes I hear people say, ah, you know, I'm not really a sinner. I'm not broken. Whenever I hear someone say that, I say, well, you might want to ask the people you live with. <laughs> You might want to ask the people you do life with. In fact, it actually reminds me of one of my favorite Christmas stories of all time. It's about this young boy, and he's writing a letter to Jesus asking for Christmas gifts. And so he begins to write this letter, this little boy, and he says, Dear Jesus, he starts to write in his letter, I've been good for six months now. He thinks about his life, scratches that out, begins again. Dear Jesus, I have been good for two months now. Thinks about his life, scratches that out, ponders a little bit. He says, okay, dear Jesus, I have been good for two days now. Thinks about the morning and scratches that out. Then over in the corner of his eye, he sees this nativity set. And he walks over and he picks up the figurine of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And he holds her in his hand and kind of grips her. And he sticks her in his pocket gets a smile on his face and begins to write again. Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mom again. <laughs> There's a little of that child in all of us. All of us have missed the mark before a holy God. The Bible simply comes along and gives it a name and calls it sin so that we can understand that same brokenness that we all feel in life really is this thing that God calls sin that has separated us from the best in relationship we could ever have, which is with him. And the good news is that even though we're more broken and more sinful than we'd ever dare believe before a holy God, it is true, we are also more loved and more accepted than we could ever dare hope because Jesus Christ came on Christmas morning and he lived a sinless life, and he went to the cross for you and for me, and he died, and he rose again, and now he invites us into life with him, not into a dead religion, but into a living relationship with the God of heaven. Is there room in your heart for God to set you apart for him this Christmas? Because God invites the lowly shepherds into a life set apart for great purpose in his name, and he wants to do the same with us. And now, I need to wrap up this message. Because if I've learned anything in preaching, is there is a fine line, and it is a fine line, between a long, drawn-out Christmas message and a live hostage situation. <laughs> Verse 20 says, After seeing the Christ child in that manger, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Whatever their lives were about before, it was different now. 
Whatever their dreams were before, they were changed now. All those nights sitting out under, under the night sky dreaming about life were forever changed with new purpose, which is why Christmas also reminds us to dream again with God once again. And you might have walked in here today in a season of life where things are going really well, and all I have to say to that is amen. Amen, that's awesome. You may have also walked into this room with a lot of shattered dreams, taking some hits and experiencing some losses that you never expected to experience in 2022. Kelly shared earlier that as a church family encounter expected some and experienced some unexpected challenges early in the year. And yet God was faithful. God is faithful to his people. And he used a church family as a set-apart, precious people in his name. I was thinking about this year for me. I can tell you that when 2022 began, when this year began, the last thing I expected was to be standing here in front of you today as one of your pastors, and as a part of our church family. And yet here I am, by the grace and the goodness of an amazing God. A God who can take our challenges and our hurts and our hurdles and pour his goodness into the hardest situations with his love and with his hope. And I want you to know I'm ready to dream some great godly dreams with all of you. Because with the hope of Jesus Christ before us, there is nothing else we can do. And if you're newer to Encounter, we want to invite you to come and be a part of what God is doing. Just dream some great godly dreams in 2023 because of how big our God is. Christmas powerfully reminds us to dream again with God. To marvel at the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ, at Christmas, just like those shepherds did to realign our life and our heart and to put God at the center again, to realign our life with him in that number one spot that he deserves and he desires that allows us to thrive and to marvel at how far his love would go to bring our hearts home to him so that his dreams can become our greatest desires as we follow him. And so let's be reminded together today and open up our hearts to him and to know that we're precious in his sight, set apart for great purpose in his name, and dream again. And if there's one thing that would just make God smile this afternoon on this Christmas Eve 2022, it'd be if there was someone in this room that wanted to embrace Jesus as their Savior. Maybe where you're at this place in life where you've known about God and Jesus for a long time, you've known Jesus is the Savior of the world, but you've never made him your Savior. You can do that right now. It begins with this powerful moment, and it's not about getting the words right, but where you ask God for forgiveness based on what Jesus did on the cross, this free gift of grace that he offers us, and you ask him into your life as the leader and Lord of your life. And when you do that, this cosmic transaction takes place between heaven and earth where all of the guilt and sin and shame that's on our shoulders in life is transferred over to the shoulders of God and all of his righteousness and grace and mercy and goodness is transferred over to our lives with his very spirit and presence through the Holy Spirit. And you begin the greatest relationship you'll ever have for all 
eternity. Would you bow your heads with me? Before I pray, I just want to give you a moment to speak to God this Christmas between, just between you and Him and your heart. Maybe you've drifted a bit. If you want to, just let Him know you're ready to make Him number one again. To give Him that central spot in your life and to follow Him no matter where He takes you. Also, just take a moment to recognize you're precious in His sight. Set apart for great purpose to glorify Him. And invite Him to give you His dreams to become your greatest desires. And if you've never said yes to Jesus as Savior, you can just say something like this. God, thanks for sending your Son to this earth on Christmas and for sending him to that cross for my brokenness, that thing you call sin. I ask for forgiveness. I receive your grace and your goodness and your very presence. And I ask you to come into my life and set me apart for your glory as I follow you, follow you as my Savior and leader. Father God, we thank you that we get to celebrate the birth of your son today. We thank you for every person in this room, every person who will listen online. And we celebrate you today, and we celebrate your son as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen.